0: Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Psalm 127. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Yesterday, we celebrated the 4th of July. The commemoration of the founding of our country. We, the people... Those words shook the earth, liberated a nation of 13 colonies, including our beloved Virginia. We, the people, no longer I, the king, or we, the nobility, but we, the people. Several years ago, we observed the 200th anniversary of the United States Constitution. To commemorate this event, the late, renowned Aristotelian philosopher, and professor at the University of Chicago, head of the great books, and head of the Encyclopedia Britannica, wrote a book entitled, Behold These Truths. The book was on American democracy. Perhaps you've read it, perhaps you've read some of his other books. They're unusual because they're easy to read, and very unusual for philosophical works, because they often make their way into the best he was he's Jewish. He was Jewish, and he became converted to Christianity. and Became a Episcopalian. I always wondered why didn't he read his book, own books? Because he would have become a Catholic. He must have heard me, because he, be, he did become before he died. Became a Catholic. Doctor Albert Adler views the Constitution through Aristotelian eyes and demonstrates that Aristotelian principles are at work in the great documents that bind our nation together. Mortimer Adler goes further and presses on past Pericles and Aristotle to the 13th century to discover the main roots of the American concept of democracy. He asserts that St. Thomas Aquinas had influence on the great American charters with his notion of popular sovereignty, which is that that the Power comes from the people, but this Jewish philosopher says in his book, "Is untold history untold, because the, the telling of it has been stopped by the, the enemies of the church." Now, certainly, no one would claim that James Madison's constitutional cathedral was really created in the 13th century by the Doctor Angelicus Thomas Aquinas. But the belief that constitutional democracy is a post-Reformation idea can be legitimately challenged. We often read in textbooks that democracy is the child of a partisan mindset, steeled together by ideas and principles forged out of the Reformation experience. Recently, I read an article we took for granted that the constitutional, the Constitution owed its existence to Protestantism, which gave us modern democracy, whereas Catholicism gave us monarchies and the divine right of kings. I wonder if this Protestant heritage of democracy would include Geneva under the theocratic tyranny and rule of John Calvin. St. Augustine taught that the social order or the state is in effect, a consequence, a result of original sin. If Adam had refused to eat the apple and thus not sin, there would be no state, no government, according to Augustine. St. Thomas Aquinas, centuries later, politely and courteously disagreed and said he was wrong. He reasoned this way. He said, heaven is free of the effects of original sin, yet there's a hierarchy there a social order which exists among the angels. Government is not, then, the result of sin, but is something natural, flowing from the spiritual nature of persons and from the diversity of talents. Aquinas also reasoned, the state is in accordance with our nature, our human nature, because man does not like living alone. Men come together to form communities for various reasons, to supply one another with food, for protection, and to provide companionship. As one writer put it, Aquinas believed that men had to live in society not only to satisfy their needs, but to perfect their personalities through the interchange of ideas. If Adam had not sinned, if the human race had not fallen, men would still live in community. Oddly, James Madison would have disagreed more with Aquinas than Augustine on this point. For he said, if men were angels, government would not be necessary. Aquinas' view of society would influence gradually the way the sovereign nations viewed their the European nations viewed their sovereigns. If the state is the natural organism, popular sovereignty is not inimical with it. The basis of popular sovereignty can be found in such works of Aquinas as on the rule of princes, where he warns that the rule of the prince should be restricted by the people, lest he become a despot. Now, if the ruler abuses his power, the people have a right to get rid of him, If this happens, the ruler cannot complain because, and I quote, such a prince cannot complain that he has been retreated unjustly for he has deserved that the covenant with his subjects not be kept. Now Aquinas favored a mixed form of government, which is unheard of in his days. He wrote, the best form of government is in a state or kingdom wherein one is given the power to preside over all, while under him are others having governing power. A government of this kind is shared by all, both because all are eligible to govern and because the rulers are chosen by all. He says this type of government is partly kingdom, since there is one head of all, partly aristocracy, insofar as the number of persons are set in authority, partly democracy, insofar as the rulers can be chosen from the people and the people have the right to choose their rulers. The people have the right to choose their own rulers. This position was radically opposed to the theory of the divine right of kings, was condemned with bitter remarks by Sir Robert Fulmer, who was a 17th century Protestant defender of the divine right of kings he charged angrily that this tenet of popular sovereignty was first hatched in the schools, meaning the scholastic philosophers of the Middle Ages. It was first hatched in the schools and half fostered by all succeeding papists, which, as you might know, is a derogatory term for Catholics. Another distinguished Protestant, however, a German by the name of Rudolf Hering, and reputedly the greatest jurist jurist of the 19th century, disagreed. He was to praise Aquinas for his democratic principles. He remarked that St. Thomas, and I quote, correctly understood the realistic, practical, and the social factors of moral life. In amazement, I asked myself how it is possible that such truths, once they were uttered, could be forgotten so completely by our Protestant savants. I also ask, how could Catholics and others forget where these principles came from? As Catholics, as loyal Americans, we must be willing to preserve our democracy, for which so many of our forefathers and relatives have shed their blood and suffered physical hardship. But we safeguard democracy only when we recognize that democracy is meant to serve, not to be served, and that democracy is meant to serve God and his handiwork, the human person, not the other way around. As the late Archbishop Fulton Sheen put it, there is no such thing as saving democracy alone. Democracy is a branch, not a root. The root of democracy is the recognition of the value of a person, as a creature of God. To save democracy alone is like saving the false teeth of a drowning man. First, save the man, and you will save his teeth. First, preserve the belief in God as a source of all rights and liberties, and you will then save democracy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.